Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. This is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder here, and you're listening to the Ever Black Podcast. Hey, human scum, this is odorous from Guam. Going to the Fear Factory. This is George Corps, Commander Fisher. This is Jasmine Delgado. This is Wade from Our Last Enemy. Magnificent Two Thousand Feet. He is at Wednesday 13. This is Bruce Andrews Rex from Kill Devil Hill. This is Gary Sweet from Simple Tour, and you're listening to Ever Black Podcast. Before we go into this episode of the Ever Black Podcast, we just need to give a shout out to our show supporters, the Occult Clothing Brand Electric, which love amazing apparel from shirts to hoodies to hats to beanies, dresses and more. Check out their full range at electricwitch.com.au and put in the code EVERBLACK for 20% off your order. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Ever Black Podcast on Spotify and iTunes podcast streams and see all our video interviews on the Ever Black YouTube channel. You can also read all our articles and reviews at everblack.com.au. All right, on with the show. Plenty, thanks for joining us on the show, brother. How's everything going down in Sydney uh, town? Where you from? It's good. Um, yeah, nothing's new. Nothing's been new for months, but <laughs> it is a, it's a very pleasant part of the world to be in. So, yeah, nothing to complain about. Well, I wouldn't say nothing's new. Because you've been busy, man. You've been prepping your uh, second album that's just uh, dropped uh, last week, I believe it was, wasn't it? Yeah, last Friday. Friday, man, it's going quick. Uh, Impulse Voices, and man, it's been really well received all over the world by you know fans and, and critics. And uh, how are you feeling? It's you know, considering this year, it's out, it's done. Yeah, I feel good. The reception. I was about to say the reception was great. I feel like it's almost. The, the whole like the cycle is finished this is like really? i mean i've started writing a song already oh, um, i've sort of run out of I, I like i feel bad trying to promote the album more on social media because i feel like i already posted about it like twice and that's enough <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean yeah it's been going great i think as well, like the fact that everyone's at home and there's no touring yeah. and also just in the last few years, everyone's attention span is like reduced to 10 seconds. Um, I think it doesn't make that much sense for me to be thinking about it like in 10 second portions. So it's kind of like, I'll see how it's going again in a month and then hopefully people still like it in six months or a year or something like that. And that was like the goal with, how I wrote it as well is um, I don't really mind if people listen to it the minute it comes out or discover it half a year later. Um, hopefully it's something that's like going to be interesting for a little while. I think it is, dude. I've spun it a few times and I like it. Like, you know, I just, I work in a factory during the day so I can have whatever I'm going in the background, but uh, quite a few times I found myself going, Oh, that's sick. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's good to play and repeat too. You know, it's not oh, awesome. a boring album. It's a, it's 
it's a it's quite a journey and i like it have you found that you know uh your peers as well have you had a lot of feedback from you know your mates and other bands um yeah and that was something that uh, i guess felt really good because i sent uh to probably about 50 people a couple of weeks before it came out uh, just 50 of my closest friends um because i was excited and um the feedback was all super positive and a lot of like I could tell they did actually listen um, and had something nice to say. And that like, yeah, that feels good. Um, that almost, by the time I actually released it, I think I'd already reached like maximum uh, ego satisfaction. So <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, yeah, life's good. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, I, I, as a singer, I, I understand a traditional approach to writing music. But I, I guess with, with what you do, it'd be a totally different process in a lot of ways, especially with 2020. Have you found that that had, had an effect on things, being at home and the way you write? Was it a different process? Um, my process has always been like me at home writing songs. And then once they're more or less finished, I'll present them to my drummer and bass player and then sort of wrap them up from there. So it hasn't really changed too much. Um, but I guess the year gave me the luxury of a lot more time to work on it. Um, and with the, the release before it, I think uh, working with my drummer, Chris, I sent him the demos and he sort of went through them once sending back demos and then we went into the studio and recorded it. Whereas this time some of the songs went up to like a fifth revision just to like refine certain parts. And then by the time we were in the studio to record the drums, um, like he was nailing everything and then introducing like even more detail. So I guess it was a more focused and refined process than usual, but in terms of workflow, um, I suppose it's also quite lucky that we're all, set up to work mostly from home aside from a, a room for the drums and then the mixing and production that Simon does is all out of his own studio um, and like the release before this I visited him once to go through mix notes for one song and then he kind of knew what I wanted for the rest and then with this some of the songs there wasn't even a single mix revision like he just presented me with the mix and it was exactly what I wanted to hear um, awesome. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I would say that I'm lucky that the process that I've already sort of developed with those guys is one that was suited to a year of being at home. And uh, does it start with a riff usually for you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, a melody or something or a beat. What, like, how does it? How does that start? Um, well, I have a question for you. So you sing. Are you a singer in a band or you sing and write music in a band or the whole band in a band? No, but you know what I mean? Like the way my, I guess my brain sort of works is the first chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a traditional sort of sense. So, yeah. but with, with what you guys do where it's just instrumental, it's, I guess it's a little bit more freer in a lot of ways. You're not restricted. Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, so I'll typically come up with a riff, which is like a random occurrence of playing guitar for six hours and then two seconds of it is interesting. And then I'll record that and then add programmed bass and drums to start yeah. 
hearing what it could be like with a band. And then that might lead to like picking a certain guitar tone or adding a certain keyboard sound or something like that. And then maybe that is like what the vibe of the whole song is going to be like, like, oh, it's a guitar driven song that has a certain synth that's going to come in and out and then just start trying to build up different sections from there. Um, and it, but it is quite a like uh, trial and error process. Uh, I mean, the more songs that I've written, the more I know sort of what might work better or worse. Um, just, I guess, like with writing lyrics, you, you understand how a sentence works mm. and suddenly you can write 10 words in a row instead of two. Um, so it's sort of similar with music, like writing the music. I know that maybe the second section should use the same bass drum rhythm as the first section, but then the stuff on top is going to change. I like devices like that um, that I've sort of come across throughout writing. Um, and I guess because of that with this album, the more I noticed myself making moves that I would make uh, sort of intuitively, the more I wasn't too satisfied doing stuff like that. So I'd be like, well, I could do this, but what would be more interesting? And I think that's maybe why I ended up with some songs that seem to kind of like just go in a few directions without ever coming home sort of thing. Um, I so, forgot what the question was. No, yeah. dude, no, 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 no. I love, the, I love that answer. It was a really good answer. Um, but in saying that, I mean, when it comes to playing that live, how do you go about memorizing? I mean, I know you've got it all recorded, but I mean, it's I always thought the same thing about Larry Lalonde from Primus because he's so free with his playing, if you know what I mean. Like he's one of my favorite yeah. guitarists, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, it's like nothing is the same. You know, there's similarities, but there's nothing's the same. I don't know how he remembers all the different parts and all that. Like how, how does that work for you? How do you remember everything you've recorded like six months ago? Um, I mean, going into a tour, there's a huge like relearning and practicing process, like just trying to get it all into muscle memory. And then the first show usually suffers from a lack of my own preparation, which I hope to learn one day, but haven't yet. Um, so I'll spend a lot more time like looking down at my fretboard and trying to remember like what comes next, what comes next, what comes next the whole time. But then after a few shows, it gets a lot um, more just sort of built into muscle memory um, and then it gets to a sort of more fun stage where I can play through the song totally on autopilot, but I can also hear what's coming up and think about trying new things. Um, so, I mean, the way we play, it is more or less the same every night, but yep. some of the small ways that certain things are played will be totally different at the end of a tour compared to the first. Um, but it is just, yeah, a lot of boring preparation to get it to that. <laughs> but the, does that excite you when you get to those parts where you're like, I know this, I can do it in my sleep. I'm going to try and like send it out to, you know, and experiment with the, the tracks a little bit. Is that like yeah, that point? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the best parts. Um, and the thing that uh, I don't know if this is to a detriment or to a whatever the opposite of a detriment is, but usually 
what I'll do once I'm comfortable enough is just start doing stuff like instead of playing it like this, go over the fretboard oh, or yeah, like tricky. use it as an excuse to drink a beer with one hand, like things that <laughs> add nothing to the uh, musicality, but maybe look fun. Um, and very occasionally be like, oh, I could, I could play this more interestingly, but usually I just take them as opportunities to like fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. And what about uh, in regards to the album title? How does that tie tie into like the artwork? Because the artwork, which does uh, have, um, what was I trying to say? Sorry, uh, it's it's like a big puzzle. It's like the first album and this album. It's the al- the, the artwork is very similar. Like, wh- how's the title tie into that? Um, the firstly, the covers of the two albums being similar was kind of arrived at by accident um so this last album cover started out as like a pretty simple collage of a couple of different things and then alex who does all the design he sends me works in progress and then i say stuff like what if you added some birds or what if you added a a snail or whatever and then he does and then adds things that he thinks of and then it just ended up really busy and then we tried putting it in a circle and then Obviously, that's like one of the main visual things of the first album. And then it was just like, oh, I guess this is a thing now. Um, And then in terms of the album title, um, I was listening to a psychology podcast and they were talking about uh, impulse voices being the sort of like driving uh, voice inside a child's head, which makes them do silly things like eat dirt and like touch animals yeah um and then as as you get older and you're exposed to more society and rules and that sort of thing those voices become quieter um but i guess one of the things about creativity or maybe just being like a happy balanced adult is trying to keep your impulse voices sort of present um and i thought that was relevant to what I hope to do with music is like, it's getting more serious um, in some ways because like now I do interviews and shit like that. Um, But hopefully still remains sort of the equivalent of when I'm making the music of just like walking around and eating dirt. (laughs) (laughs) You don't eat dirt though. No. no, there's some shit that I see kids do where I kind of (laughs) wish, like I would love to just walk into a fountain Oh but man! Some of those, I guess, some of those rules are there for a reason. That's right. That's true. That's true. The crazy things we used to do as kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> that we wouldn't get away with now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing I noticed about the artwork, though, there's a building in in the in the background. What's the significance of that that building? Um, when I was trying to think about what the point of the whole album was, um. I thought one thing that was uh, sort of present is the idea of getting a bunch of people together or a bunch of different ideas together, sort of like a party, but in a, yeah, I guess in a more productive way. Um, and then I went on a tangent on the internet and looked up like the biggest parties in the world, like the most elaborate sort of grand meetings of people. And there was, I forget when, but there was a, a British king and a French king who I think maybe someone was marrying someone. So they're having like a sort of 
meeting of the families and it was considered one of the biggest parties of all time. They built like they built that castle. That's the image on the album cover. And they had like actual fountains of wine and all these elaborate um, tapestries and all that sort of shit. And I think it went for like a few weeks and I think ultimately achieved no better relationship between uh, England and France. Um, and I, I sort of like that idea as well, because I sort of feel that way about uh, making instrumental music is that it's, you're putting together this grand spectacle that is hopefully really enjoyable, but has an undercurrent of being kind of pointless. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I don't know. I don't think it's pointless. I think what you do is very important and very cool. So I don't know, man. Oh, I guess in the same way that um, a party is, I guess pointless is the wrong word, but it's like, it's a necessary thing to do yeah. to like experience joy and connection and all of that, but it's not uh, put together as deliberately to convey a certain meaning as maybe you would when you're writing lyrics or like, going to a job <laughs> okay <laughs> i know what you're saying i know what you're saying but uh of course uh do you still have your first guitar that's a question i've got mine and you don't want to see it because you would laugh at it it's terrible i've had it for 25 years but do you still have yours yes and you might laugh at it too it was a like a cheap strap copy and sometime after I got my next guitar, which was an Ibanez and like a pretty good guitar, yeah. I decided that I wanted to take the frets out of my Strat copy. Uh, so I did a really terrible fretless conversion. And then I drew uh, Darth Vader on the pit guard with a permanent marker. Sick. So I've got a Darth Vader fretless guitar, which wasn't good to play in the first place. It was now significantly <laughs> worse. But hey, it's got Vader on it. You big Star Wars yeah, dude? I mean, yeah, I was growing up. Yeah? Yeah, still am. Yeah. How good's Mando? You watching Mando? Mandalorian? I haven't I haven't seen the yeah, I haven't seen the second season. I'm waiting till it's all out. So oh, you can, doing okay. one sitting, yeah. Dude. I won't nah, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Best thing in the world. Anyway, back to <laughs> I recently spoke to your uh, mate Jake from Periphery, um, who you toured with and said, you know, yeah. a lot of good things about you. Um, and uh, are they a good band to hit the road with? They seem like they'd be in a lot yeah. of trouble. They might have. Uh, I mean, I've kind of loved every band that I've toured with because they've usually been ones that I'm a fan of as well. Yeah. Um, I think Periphery was especially, uh, like, in some ways bad, but in the best way because we all are very similar in sense of humour and kind of in work ethic as well like want to yeah. put on the best show possible um want to be on time and professional but at the same time want to be like feeding each other from side stage and like <laughs> doing the most to fuck each other's shows up um Mischief. but i think yeah i think fans of periphery know like that's what they're getting into when they go to a gig so yeah but yeah that was super fun and yeah i mean you're uh you jam with them the reptile um, and that's on yeah. the new, the, their new live album to opener. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, because yeah, Mark couldn't do um, a couple of those tours, and so I filled in uh, with Jakob in Europe, and then with my bass player Simon in the States. 
I think that's like, that's one of the funniest things is having bass player from the support band play guitar solo in the first song. I think that was like, that's how you know that Periphery knows how to have fun. Like yeah, just yeah, the yeah. fact that that happens. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, that, that would have been awesome. I want to see footage. I've only heard it, but it, it sounds amazing. But uh, is there anyone you'd love to jam with? Is there anyone out there that you haven't jammed with that you'd love to? Um, I mean, I'd love to tour with Dream Theater or John Petrucci um, or Steve Vai or Joe Satriani or like any of my childhood heroes. Yeah. Um, I'd love to tour with Animals as Leaders again because sort of same thing, just like super fun, sweet dudes to tour with. Um, yeah. That's cool. for again. That was a lot of fun. Man, got to do that down under, man. Yeah. Yeah. You could bring bring the boys back, hit up Queensland when it all happens again. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were kind of just starting to talk about that and then obviously not. And then things happened. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a bummer, right? Eh? Is there any guitarists out there that are, are sort of blowing your mind at the moment too? Someone that you said I stumbled across that's that's coming up through the ranks. Um, there's a there's a dude called Jakub Zatecki from Poland or Jacob Zatecki if you pronounce oh, yeah. it phonetically. Yeah, cool. Um, and I mean I've known him for years, but he never ceases to blow my mind. I think he's just like the best guitar dude there is. Um, and then more recently, there's a guy called Josh Della Victoria from the states who has, I think he's got an EP and a couple of songs with the drummer from Animals as Leaders. And he's, he's pretty young. I'm not sure how old he is, but he must be like early 20s. And he's a yeah, really sick, inventive guitarist. Have you heard of uh, Robin Ferguson from uh, South Africa? She's no. awesome, dude. You, you need to look okay. her up. She's awesome. Yeah, she shreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my recommendation. Yeah. All right. Robin Ferguson? Robin Ferguson, yeah, yeah, she she uh she's yeah she's Ibanez too I believe, but she she's nice, like, you know I don't know yeah I won't do that again. Um, <laughs> so what was that? I won't do the. What's, what's she like? That's, what's she like? You know, like it's shreddy, shreddy. Oh, yeah. You know how you guys do the shreddiness? That's why yeah. I don't play guitar anymore. Um. <laughs> So, uh, of course, I mean, what's uh, what's you got next? You you writing some more material for for the new year? Yeah, I um, started writing a song that will hopefully have vocals on it. Um, and when I finish it, and then send it to the vocalist, who'll hopefully agree to do it, I'm going to start working on something else for vocals. Um, wow! And just mess around. Um, yeah, I'm kind of back in the eating dirt phase. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the vocalist? That's a secret. Oh, come on, mate. Um, he's, you shared he's with me, one, host. He's in one of the bands that we have mentioned. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Keep your secrets. Gotta have some some mystery. Keep your secrets. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's exciting, <laughs> dude. Like, uh, I mean, of, of yeah. the uh, 
the albums kick ass and uh, hopefully we're going to see a tour. And now that everything's starting very slowly to open up again and they've just announced some festivals and stuff. Have you got anything sort of you looking at booking? Um, like very early stages for end of next year um, with a band that I've never toured with and like very much. So hopefully that happens. And so far there is a Gold Coast show. Oh, really? Hey, man. Planned. Yeah. Have you played the Goldie before? Never. Really? Have you been here before? I've, um, yeah, I've been a bunch of times. Um, Troy, who used to play drums with me, is from the Gold Coast. So a couple of the shows that we played in Brisbane, uh, yeah. we'd drive back to his place and stay there. Oh, cool. Um, but no, I've, I've never played anywhere but the like capital cities other than Canberra and Newcastle. So, yeah. There you go. Well, man, you're going to have to have a beer with us when you come down because I'm... Uh, Absolutely. So That'd be awesome. Well, uh, dude, it's been awesome hanging out with you on the show. The new Pliny album, Impulse Voices, is out now everywhere. We're going to have the links down here. Dude, take care of yourself, and uh, we'll see you very soon, I hope, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. And- Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 